on this Sunday after Christmas. The Old Testament reading is from Genesis chapter 32, beginning verse 22. Jacob wrestles with God. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let us go, for it is daybreak. And Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Here ends the Old Testament, which is a picture of us facing the new year, just as Jacob faced the unknown. And it may seem at times that we wrestle with God as well, but what we seek from God is a blessing, a gracious blessing from God. Indeed, however, we do not have to wrestle with God, but more wrestle with our own thoughts and our own ideas. God intends to bless us as he does in the giving of his son. The epistle is from Colossians chapter 2, beginning verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him you you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations, which was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them with the cross. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. 
Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people Israel. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Before we begin, how many of you are still receiving Christmas presents? Oh, I see one or two. Well, at our house, for our kids, they recognize the 12 days of Christmas, and they all got a Christmas present on each of the 12 days. I'll explain that more in a minute. Time for the kids. Jesus gives his first Christmas present this day. I wonder what that might be. It won't be a smartphone. It won't be any electronic games at all. It won't be a toy. I wonder what it could possibly be. Well, my children never liked the 12 days of Christmas because they never got to open everything at once. They opened it day by day, and they didn't know what they were going to get. It might be a toy or it might just as well be the battery for the toy. (laughs) You get the idea? Sometimes presents came in parts, and they wouldn't get all the parts until the 12th day of Christmas. But every day they were thankful to get a special gift. It wasn't just a big pile of stuff all at once. As much fun as that was, And by the way, they decided as they grew up never to do that to their kids. (laughs) Today we're going to see the first gift that Jesus gives to us. Well, look at this. What is that? A A knife. And it's not a rubber knife. It's not a play knife. It's a real knife. What? What? The first gift that Jesus gives, the first one that's mentioned in the Bible after his birth, is a bit unusual. Little baby Jesus was wrapped in swaddling, which is nothing more than these kind of rags. That's what he lived in. But eight days 
later, after he was a little older, something unusual happened. Someone in Bethlehem, we don't know who, might have been Joseph, had a sharp knife. According to the law of Moses, there was something that was to be cut away on baby Jesus. Some of you are going, what? I leave that for you to ask mom and dad when you get home. (laughs) But the point is really something had to be cut off away and it involved a knife and little baby Jesus did something for the first time. He was the sinless, pure son of God What did he shed, do you think? If you cut yourself, what do you shed? You shed skin? Make it worse. Blood. Jesus sheds his blood for the first time. When will be the final time that Jesus sheds his blood? Oh, Remember, the cross during Christmas has red on it. When Jesus goes to the cross, he also sheds his blood. But this is the first present he gives, the first time he sheds his blood for us. He also begins keeping the Old Testament law. All this points to the greatest gift, not at the end of 12 days, but at the end of his life, where he will shed his blood, give his life, on Good Friday to give us the greatest gift of all, forgiveness and resurrection. So all of the gifts at Christmas really point that direction to the greatest gift of all. So that's our message for the sixth day of Christmas. You can go back again on I Shall Sheathe My Knife. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. I didn't notice a great amount of falalas at this message. And some people would say this is, oh, almost kind of a, a rough one to listen to. But it does point to the main reason for which Jesus came. His coming begins new life for you. Tonight, oh my, what are you going to do tonight? Are you going to go out and stand in the cold and huddle together and do I don't know what? You're going to visit different establishments and, I don't know, drink, I don't know what all stuff and celebrate. Americans somehow think that because this day comes, and they're together, and there's kind of a a group spirit, and there's a, a wonder about the night that somehow magically and amazingly there'll be a new beginning tomorrow morning. That somehow going through this American rite of the New Year's Eve celebration with whatever that may involve, that's going to make life new for you. I got news for you. It doesn't. 
Solomon, who was considered the wisest man in all the world in his day, said there's nothing new under the sun. It's going to be the same old, same old. But there is a way where God intervenes and is able to take away everything that makes you embarrassed, everything that plagued you this past year, every feeling of guilt and sorrow and hopelessness. This can indeed be taken away but not by a New Year's Eve celebration. It's taken away in a most unusual way. If you looked closely at the epistle reading, it explained this deeper meaning of circumcision. We have a circumcision. The first gift of Christ, the shedding of his blood for the sins of the world and ours, comes in an unusual way. In him or by him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by, hand, by hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism and being raised with him through your faith in the power of God. New beginnings don't come because you go through some happy event outdoors in the cold or at Joe's bar downtown. A new real beginning is not your activity at all, and it's certainly not your resolutions that you've made. I don't make resolutions. Is that because I'm a cynic? No. It's because I know my own sinful nature. I can't resolve to do much of anything in a spiritual realm, much as I may try. My only expectation of change and newness is tied with Jesus Christ. And the epistle says that comes to us in holy baptism. Our gospel tells us on the eighth day it was time to circumcise him. This special vestment for this day is for this particular Sunday. And the ancient gospel is the reading of the circumcision of Jesus and his presentation in the temple. You notice the panels at the bottom. They are red. That's to remind us of the first gift that he gives, which is the shedding of his blood. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins, says Scripture. How does that blood get to you? How does the gift of forgiveness and real new life come to you? The real circumcision that you have received already, which didn't look like anything, was your own baptism. Notice how St. Paul describes it. It's a cutting away of the old nature, which is no longer in charge. It's cut away. It has no longer any power. But in its place, you have the gifts of Christ himself. New life, forgiveness. It is the first gift which becomes a guarantee of the final gift. And that won't be 12 days from now.
One of the reasons I am retiring as of midnight tomorrow at the stroke of midnight is because I am becoming old. Yeah, you're laughing, some of you. Some of you aren't laughing. Old. Old is the next step you take in dying. That's the next step. But that's the necessary step to finally gain the fullness of Christ's gift, which he has gained for us all. Baptism is the beginning. Our death in Christ by faith is the glorious end. Our example in this is Simeon. Now, do not un- misunderstand what Simeon is. The text says here he is righteous and devout. The term righteous, dikaios, doesn't mean he's righteous because he does righteous things all the time. If any of you believe that, please see me quickly before the end of the year because you need deep re-education. We have no righteousness before God. We have righteousness as God's gift to us through Jesus Christ. Again, with the circumcision, that's the first keeping of the law that Jesus does, even when he's only eight days old. He will continue to keep the law perfectly without any infractions from cradle to grave. And Jeremiah tells us twice his Old Testament name. His title is, The Lord, Our Righteousness. This is why Simeon could be called righteous. It is by faith in the Messiah to come. But he is also devout or pious. This is a term that seems to confuse Americans. It simply means that he was living in such a way so as to show his gratitude and his love back to his Redeemer. It is one large thank you gift back to God somewhat like our little thank you notes to each other at Christmas time. But this devotion, this piousness, is joyfully given. This is what all our life is to be, a thank you back to God. We know this is the case because we are told that he was eagerly waiting for the consolation of Israel. The term consolation Paraclesis. We get the word paraclete for the Holy Spirit. It has to do with the inner comfort that the Spirit gives. There is an old tradition in Christendom that on New Year's Eve there will be the presentation of the purple, that is the color of Lent. And indeed there will be special orphrey bandings on the altar to remind us of that. New Year's Eve is the time to honestly confess our sins and then to trust in God's mercy for consolation, that is, peace. Simeon knew his sins. He's looking for the full consolation of Israel in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The thing that he does next shows great faith, and in our world he probably would have been arrested He comes into the temple at the very same time as the little boy Jesus is being brought in. 
and he comes directly up to Mary and Joseph, and he takes, he snatches this little boy out of Mary's arms and holds this child in his own arms. That will get you a jail sentence in our world. They didn't know this old geezer from Adam. Who did this guy think he is anyway, taking children? He snatched Jesus up in his arms. This is the necessary thing that you need to do every single day of your life. By faith to eagerly hold Jesus in your arms. Don't hold things, nor riches, nor power. Throw those things away. They cannot save you nor give you any satisfaction. They are empty. To hold Jesus in your arms every day is the key to your new life. In the old red hymnal, you remember that hymnal? It was red and it was old, and they talked in King James language. You have the wonderful translation of Luther's Christmas hymn. And in the 13th verse, Luther writes this as really a prayer for all of us. Let me in my arms receive thee. Savior, blessed, let me rest in your arms. There's more to the song. But that's the whole point of what Simeon does. And that's the point of what you should be doing this day. As Luther also said, when you get up in the morning, you should make the sign of the cross in remembrance of what he did for you at the cross. And then know that you are a child of God. He said, respeak then the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed, the summary of how Christ gives himself to you. That's how you hold him. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, now dismiss your servant in peace. Let me go in peace. This is a prayer for his end. Because my eyes have seen your salvation, and it's been made ready and prepared for all people, including you and me. Retirement for me is the next step to putting one foot in the grave. How's that? That's the reality of retirement. I want you, even if you're only two or three, to think about the day that Jesus will call you home. Then it's important, not only that you're holding Jesus in your arms, but you can look forward to this. He will come and hold you in his arms. That's the greatest expectation of Christmas. Jesus will come and hold you in his arms forever. Amen. And the peace of God which passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.